Although the franchise is meant to promote the idea of peace and that all conflicts can be resolved through diplomacy and non-violent means, war, conflict, and other means of hostility exist within the universe of Star Trek. With that said, a lot of blood has been spilled within the Star Trek universe for one reason or another, with the blood being spilled being that of red, green, and occasionally pink, although the lore of pink-blooded Klingons is a bit inconsistent. Green, and welcome back to Checkpoint Gaming Star Trek Ascendancy. For this episode, we will be going over the Dominion War variant of the game. When playing the Dominion War, includes the creation of alliances and introduces alliance cards and resistance cards. At the start of the game, divide the factions into two rival alliances. Since factions no longer stand and fall on their own, they do what they can to have their alliance claim dominance over the rival alliance. A minimum of four players are needed to play the Dominion War and it is recommended that an even number of players are present in order to play. With that said, an odd number of players are able to play the Dominion War which will be discussed later in this episode. With the rules for the Dominion War, they use the same standard game rules with the following modifications. When setting up, two alliances already exist and are at war with each other. With each alliance, their component factions are already connected with their neighbors. With the alliance selection cards, they are divided into two types, red and blue. When forming the alliance selection deck, have it possess the same number of cards as there are players with an equal number of each type. Before the players place their home systems, each player will blindly draw an alliance selection card in order to see which alliance they will belong to. And once the alliances have been determined, all of the allied players should sit together on the same side of the play area. From there, each player will start the game with their home system connected to four planetary systems that have already been explored and colonized by said faction. In order to establish these connections, each player will roll the space lane die followed by using the appropriate space lane to connect the planetary system drawn from the system desk stack to their home system. From there, they will place one of the control nodes upon this system. This process will continue until all four systems connect to the player's home system. But if the player draws a phenomenon instead of a planetary system, discard said phenomenon and draw again until the player draws a planetary system. After all the players have done this, shuffle the phenomena that were drawn back into the system disk stack. Also don't build the stack normally with only planetary systems found on top of the pile. This is because that rule has been suspended. After all these systems have been connected, it's time for the player to connect with their alliances. When doing this, each player will have an ally found to the right will try and connect to them by rolling a space lane die. From there, they will connect the system that is located closest to the ally to the nearest allied system, assuming that they could reach it. If they can't, then they will draw the top system from the system disk stack, which can be either a planet or a phenomenon. This process will continue until the shortest connection route has been created to that given ally. If drawing from the system disk stack, place an exploration card face down upon each planetary system that has been placed in this manner. With a route to an ally that possesses an unexplored system that cannot be navigated around, players will have to stop by that unexplored system and discover the planetary system or phenomena that is found there. After each ally has been connected, then the remaining players will follow the same procedure in order to connect to a member of the opposing lines found to the right. At the end of this process, all of the home systems should be connected in a ring. From there, each player will build the three research nodes upon their home system, followed by building nine initial research nodes on the adjacent systems that the player controls. If they are unable to build all of their research nodes onto their systems, then place as many of them as they can upon their respective systems. When that is done, choose one of the unexplored systems found adjacent to the player's systems that they control and reveal it, discarding the exploration card as they do. If it's a phenomenon, then discard it and replace it with the randomly selected planetary system from the system disk stack. Once that is done, place a control node onto the system and place any of the remaining resource nodes onto it. Since all allied players start the game having already made contact with their allies, they are allowed to exchange trade agreements with allies before the game begins. Each player can also only hold one trade agreement at a time. 
Although this rule can use a little more clarification, we are going to say that if there are more than two players in an alliance, then all players in said alliance can exchange their trade agreements. But the rule is still in place where a player can only hold one trade agreement from a specific faction. We feel that this will allow the players to remain true to the spirit of the rule. We suspect that when the rule was initially written, it was operating off of the minimum number of players with each alliance possessing only two members. So we hope that our little editorialization helped clarify the matter. And if a trade agreement would start off the game exhausted, then they are exhausted. If there are any additional requirements for the exchanging of trade agreement, then they will have to be met as well. If one of the selected factions is the Dominion, then the Gamma Quadrant expansion can be put into play. When setting up the game for the Gamma Quadrant, pull the four colonized planetary systems for the Dominion from the Gamma Quadrant system disk stack. From there, have the Idrin phenomenon of the wormhole system connected to the system that is located closest to the center of the board. With that done, have the Bajoran system pointing toward the center of the board. But if the players want to play with the Gamma Quadrant without the presence of the Dominion, then use the rules discussed in previous episodes about discovering the Gamma Quadrant. When it comes to that of their alliances, all of their connections, as well as those found on the opposing alliance side, are done through Bajor when the Gamma Quadrant is in play. At the start of the Dominion War, regardless of the ascendancy level of any given faction, they all start off the game with all three other fleets and starbases in play. With all of the players found in a given alliance, they are all considered to be allies. What this means is that they are at peace, thus preventing them from initiating space battles against each other, nor allowing them to invade or attempt to engage in cultural hegemony against a system that an ally controls. Players of an alliance can enter into, as well as move through, sectors and systems that contain ships that belong to an ally. Players are also allowed to form fleets at their alliance's star bases. However, they are not allowed to build ships there. Permission also isn't required in order to move one ships or fleets through alliance sectors and systems. When initiating a space battle, players are unable to attack allied fleets and ships found in the sector that they are attacking. When initiating a space battle, a player can exhaust an additional command token to have an allied ships and fleet found in or adjacent to the sector that they are attacking in order to join in upon the battle. If the player wins the space battle, only the player who initiated the space battle can make a tactical maneuver in order to move their ships and fleets forward. When it comes to any allied ships or fleets, they remain where they are. With that said, they gain any benefits that their civilization gives them after winning a space battle. For any ships and fleets, they remain under their own player's command and can retreat after any round of combat if the player wishes to do so. They can do this even if an allied player chooses to continue to fight. When a player initiates a planetary invasion, a player can exhaust an additional command token to have any allied ships and fleets to join in upon the invasion. If the invasion is successful, the player who initiated the invasion will take control of the system. This includes them capturing any research or starbases found there. For any ships and fleets, they remain under their own player's command and can retreat after any round of combat if the player wishes to do so. They can do this even if an allied player chooses to continue to fight. As of the writing of this episode, there aren't any official rules that touch upon if the player who initiated the space battle or planetary invasion who exhausted an additional command token to have any allied ships and fleets to join in upon the encounter got destroyed or retreated and the allied decided to continue the fight and won the encounter. With that said, in a space battle, we say that the allied can decide that they want to perform a tactical maneuver or not. In a planetary invasion, we say that the allied gets to place one of their control nodes upon the planet but we'll leave it up to the players who encountered this to make the final decision. Regarding allied star bases, they will add a die to allied ships and fleets that are fighting in a space battle found in that system, even if the player who controls the system doesn't have any ships found within said system. If there are only ships found in orbit of a system belonging to an ally, then each player found within that alliance will count as occupying that system. With players that are found within the opposing alliance, they count as the player's adversary that are always hostile. With that said, there are some exceptions if the player is conquered. 
Players also cannot hold a trade agreement that belongs to an adversary. With the initiative phase, players are never allowed to seize the initiative. The turn order for every round will always be random. With the execution stage, it is divided into the build phase and the command phase. The build phase and the command phase are taken in turn order. During the build phase, each player will spend their resources as usual in order to develop their faction. Each player will also draw two alliance cards at the start of the build phase. During the command phase, each player will exhaust their command tokens in order to move their ships, move their fleets, explore, engage in space battles, invade planets, and to engage in cultural hegemony. With the recharge phase, at the end of the game round as normal. With each alliance, they have their own alliance cards deck and consists of two types of cards, one use and ongoing. With one use cards, they remain in the player's hand until they have been played, and once they are played, said card gets discarded. With ongoing cards, they are placed in front of the player when the card is played and will remain in effect. At the start of the building phase, each player will draw two alliance cards and place them into their hand. If they possess more than three alliance cards in the hand or in play at any given time, then the player will have to immediately discard down to three cards. In order to play an alliance card from their hand, the player will need to spend one culture token which can be spent at any time. Whenever either alliance deck runs out of cards, then shuffle the discard pile in order to form a new deck. If an adversary takes control of a player's home system through either planetary invasion, cultural hegemony, or colonization, then that given player has been conquered. With the player who conquered another player's home system, they are known as the Conqueror. Although the home system of the conquered player possesses the conqueror's control node, it will remain the conquered player's home system with the conquered player still controlling it. The conqueror's control node will just indicate that it has been conquered. Regarding conquered players, they are at peace with the adversary's alliance. Because of this, the conquered player cannot initiate a space battle with their adversaries. They are also unable to invade or try cultural hegemony against the system that is conquered by their adversaries. Regarding the adversaries, they are unable to initiate a space battle with the conquered player. They also cannot invade or attempt cultural hegemony against systems that the conquered player controls. When an adversary initiates a base battle, the ships and fleets of the conquered player will not participate. The ships and fleets of a conquered player are also unable to prevent an adversary from invading a system or attempting cultural hegemony, even if their ships and fleets are orbiting said system. The conquered player will also have to discard all of their alliance cards that they possess in their hand and have in play. In addition to this, the conquered player will have to revoke all the trade agreements that they have with their allies. The conquered player also cannot draw alliance cards or make trade agreements while they remain conquered. Instead, said player will immediately draw three resistance cards. With the resistance cards, they allow a conquered player to fight back against their conqueror. At the beginning of the building phase, the conquered player will draw two resistance cards instead of drawing any alliance cards. If the player possesses more than three resistance cards in their hand, then they will have to immediately discard back down to three. If the resistance deck runs out of cards, then we shuffle the discard pile in order to form a new deck. In order to play a resistance card, the conquered player can only do so in the command phase unless the resistance card states otherwise. Each resistance card will show the number of command tokens that the conquered player will have to exhaust in order to play it. With some resistance cards, they allow the player to use one of their fleets to initiate a space battle against the conqueror. The conquered player can add ships to their fleet as normal, and if this fleet initiates a space battle with other ships and fleets belonging to the conquered player capable of joining in the battle, they have the option of doing so. When a conqueror takes control of the home system of a conquered player, the conquered player will have to immediately give half the resources they currently possess to the conqueror, rounding up when necessary. And if the conquered player possesses any resource node upon the home system, then the conquered player will have to give away active projects to the conqueror for every resource node that they captured. Regarding any resources that the Conqueror player gains during resource generation, half of it will have to go to the Conqueror, rounding up when necessary. Besides taking resources from the Conquered player, the Conqueror has access to all of the completed advancements of the Conquered player as if they were their own. 
any reference that is made to the Conquered Players faction will become a reference to the Conqueror's faction when the Conquered Players managements are used. However, the Conqueror will not benefit from any additional war feed, land tokens, or culture that is granted by the Conquered Players advancements. With Conquered Players, they will have to allow the Conqueror's ships and fleets to enter any system that its ships or fleets are found in orbit. However, the Conquered Player doesn't have to allow any of the other adversaries to enter their systems. And even though the player might be conquered, they are still part of the original alliance. Because of this, when their alliance wins, the conquered player will also win. And when the adversary's alliance wins, the conquered player will lose. It is worth noting that the conquered player is still unable to initiate planetary invasion or attempt cultural hegemony. In regards to the home system of the conquered player, if a member of their alliance occupies it, then the conquered player will be immediately liberated. Once liberated, they'll place the control node of the conqueror with one of their own. The ally who will liberate the system won't place their control node onto the system. And once liberated, the player will discard all the resistance cards that they possess. When the control nodes are replaced and there are any resource nodes found upon their liberated home system, the liberated player will capture these nodes requiring the conqueror to give them one of their active projects for each node that is captured as if the liberated player has successfully invaded the system. If a conqueror ends their command phase with less than 4 ships in orbit of a conquered home system, then it allows the conquered player to rebel. When the conquered home system rebels, the conquered player will roll a die for each of the conqueror's ships that is found in orbit. On the result of 4 or higher, a ship will be destroyed. And if there are no adversary ships found in orbit of the rebellion home system, then the system has liberated themselves. With all that said, we feel like loophole exists here as the rebellion home system can roll an indefinite amount of times until it has eliminated all the conqueror's ships. So we feel like if there are three ships or less that is found upon the conquered home system, then the rule basically says that the home system has freed itself. We feel like there should be a limit on how many times that the conquered player will be able to roll in order to get rid of the conqueror's ships. Maybe something like the number of times is equal to that of the initial number of ships that belongs to the conqueror found on the home system. It could also be applied that it is a one-time attempt per round for the home system to free itself. But either way, we feel like the rules should clarify things on that front. In a situation where a conqueror has become conquered and turned by a member of the conquered player's alliance, the conquered player will remain conquered. As a result of this, the conquered player will still have to free themselves through rebellion. When the player hasn't been conquered, they can declare neutrality. If declared neutrality, the adversary alliance will have to choose one of their members to be the conqueror of the neutral player's home system, thus having them place their control node into the neutral player's system. The neutral player is now classified as conquered, requiring the player to discard all of their alliance cards. After performing this, they will draw rebellion cards normal for the conquered faction. The conqueror then immediately move any ships or fleet from one of their systems that they control into the conquered home system for free. If an ally colonizes a home system of a conquered player after it has been raised, the conquered player will immediately take control of the system. This allows the player to replace the ally control node with their own. Due to the nature of the main war variation, players are unable to be eliminated from the game. Even when they don't control any system down on the board, they will still have their turn, thus allowing them to play resistance cards and allowing them to wait for their allies to liberate them. In order to win the Dominion War, there are two ways for the players to achieve this. First is to achieve the Supremacy Victory. This is done when the player's alliance has conquered all the homeworlds of the adversaries. We're assuming that this rule is operating off of a four-player game with two players for each alliance. Second, players can win when their alliance has conquered at least half of their adversaries' home systems accompanied by one of the alliance members meeting the conditions for an Insensi Victory, a Vulcan Agenda Victory, or an alternative mean of winning the game. When there is an odd number of players, add an extra card to the Alliance Selection deck in order to ensure that there is an equal number of red and blue cards. After drawing these cards, one alliance will have one more player than the other alliance. With a smaller alliance, they build three nodes on their home system and nine initial nodes onto adjacent systems. From there, add up the number of nodes that the alliance has built. For the larger alliance, split the same number of nodes evenly between the players. 
After dividing it up, they will build three nodes onto their home system, followed by building nodes onto the adjacent systems. With a smaller alliance, each player will start the game with an additional command token. This will grant each player six command tokens, except for the Cardassians, who will be gained seven. The players found in the smaller alliance will also get to hold an additional alliance card, giving them four cards in their hand and in play. With winning the game, the smaller alliance can achieve this through the supremacy victory if their alliance conquers as many of their adversaries' home systems as there are players in their own alliance. They can also achieve victory when their alliance has conquered at least half of the adversaries' home systems and there are players in their own alliance and a member of their alliance achieves the conditions for the ascendancy victory, the Vulcan agenda victory, or an alternative way of achieving victory. Due to the nature of the Dominion War variant, they have changed the number of rules for the game itself. Because of this, there is an increased chance of the rules found on the card conflicting with the rules of the core game. If this happens, then have the rules found upon the card take precedence. If any further conflicts arise, then the rules for the Dominion War will take precedence over the core game. With the wormhole system, Breacher has some specified weapon head roll, shield modifiers, and hegemony resistance numbers. This also extends to some of the exploration cards. When initially encountering these situations, use their listed readings rather than the standard civilization tech levels for the system. Once the player has taken control of the system, the listed tech levels will no longer apply, thus no longer having any further effect. So with that said, that's what you need to know in order to play the main war variant of Star Trek Ascendancy. If you liked this episode, feel free to give it a like, and if you want to stay up to date on any future episodes we upload, go ahead and subscribe. You can also support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash checkpointgaming. We look forward to seeing you in the next game series, and as always, happy gaming.